Hey, Sal, we're back with another episode of High Ground, uh, powered by Premier Companies. And today we have uh, a guest with us who's joining us via Zoom uh, from Bear Crop Sites. And I will let him give his name and title. Uh, but we're, we're thrilled for the opportunity to sit and talk with someone with your perspective on the industry and uh, especially on your company and the, uh, the amount of your products that we move. Uh, this is very, very integral to us and our customers as well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Chris Turner with Bear Crop Science. And Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, title and history and background and all that stuff. You bet. And thank you for the opportunity, uh, both Ryan and Sal, to be here with you. Um, it's a special opportunity and and I look forward to the conversation ahead. But a little bit about me. Um, first of all, uh, just a, a farm guy from Missouri. Um Grew up in the northern part of the state. I live in St. Louis, Missouri today with my family and been in the industry for about 27 years and 24 of it with uh, Bear coming through the Monsanto side of the business. So I've had a chance to see and experience a lot of different things in terms of roles for sure, but also the seed and the crop protection side of the business. And, and today I have the opportunity to be our U.S. country division head. And so I have a chance to oversee all aspects of, of Bear Crop Science and how we go to market in the u.s so chris you're over uh then you're over seed and crop protection uh, that's right so that is correct so all brands of seed anything that we own as a brand so in corn and soybeans that would be 12 brands of corn and soy and then of course delta pine in the in the south for cotton and then our tire crop protection seed growth business as well and all markets so fruit and veg cereals and row crops and then also we uh, about three years ago, we integrated our digital platform being Climate Field View into our U.S. commercial business as well. And, and so I and my team, we represent that as well. Well, that'll, uh, that'll make my next question kind of lead into maybe three different paths. Let's talk about uh, row crops. Uh, let's talk about uh, maybe new products that are coming from uh, crop protection side or, and or uh, the seed side for uh, corn and soybeans. And then also, um, uh, let's talk just a little bit about digital technology and what's what's on the horizon there. So that's a lot in one bullet point, but but uh, since it's all under you, I think you can probably field that question. You bet. There's a lot to unpack there, so I'll try to take them one at a time. And and if I miss something, Sal, please let me know, and I'll come back to it. But f- first of all, um, you know, this is a really a dynamic time that I look at in terms of our our portfolio and the advancements that we're making. And, and so, as I said, I've been around this thing with this company for 24 years and what's, what's taking place right now in, in 2022 and really the next four to five years, there, there's more new products in that time period being launched than I've ever seen in my entire career. And so if you think about when I came to the company, we were launching Roundup Ready soybeans and we've advanced into yield guard corn and rootworm traits and, and, and where we're at today uh, across corn, soy, and cotton. But, but in the next you know, four to five, maybe six years, more packed into that time period than I've seen in my entire career. I think that says a lot, right? And we're very proud of that innovation. If, if we break it down and think about in terms of um, where we stand today on, on that innovation, first thing I look at is crop protection. So 2022 marks the point where we're launching the largest uh, herbicide launch in really the history of crop protection. And a lot of people don't think about this much, and we don't spend a lot of time talking about it, 
But Roundup PowerMax 3 is the largest volume product in the U.S. market, and we're changing out uh, PowerMax across the whole country. Uh, we had a bit of a pilot last year in the southeast part of the country, and now we're going across the entire uh, geography. Uh, aside from that, you know, you've got products like uh, Prosaro Pro in the cereals market um, is another new one. We've got some uh, new products within our fruit and veg business as well, uh, with the name being Raxel Pro Shield. Uh, being a new product. And then we just received registration for Trivolt. And Trivolt's a new corn herbicide that we'll have in the marketplace for 2023, but actually we'll be doing some some trials, pretty extensive trials in the 22 season as well. So that'll be coming to locations that uh, that maybe have may have interest in that product for this upcoming season yet. And then in the seed and trade side of it, um, you know, again, the excitement's still there as well. So Areas where we have rootworm pressure, SmartStacks Pro is a new uh, trait that we're uh, launching this year for the first year, which brings in RNAi technology for the first time in our marketplace. And then Thrivon in cotton. So for added uh, uh, bug protection in the cotton marketplace as well. So a lot, a lot of different things going on in the seed business as well as crop protection. And then if you think about in terms of digital, uh, so FieldView has been our main focus, but FieldView from a standpoint of uh, new users and, and, and streaming acres. So data actually coming through the system during planting and, and harvest. That's really been our two main focus areas. But as we go forward, um, really starting in 22 and beyond, we're looking at new business models is what we call them. So how do we share risk with a farmer in using our products? So how do you take a a broad acre fungicide, for example, do a side-by-side -side to really convince that producer that that fungicide is a valuable investment. And if it's not a valuable investment, we're, we're going to stand there and shoulder some of that risk or some of that investment. And we have those examples in seed as well as in crop protection. But that's really the next generation of what I see coming in digital as well. You know, I think that really, uh, that says a lot, Chris, about how the manufacturer, such as Bear Crop Science, will will stand behind, uh, you know, what what they know, what they have found out, some of their insights that they've got in the industry, and whether it's with uh, genetics or whether it's products or practices, you know, they'll stand behind their practice and products, and and I think that says a lot about the value of why we are a branded company at uh, Premier Ag. Uh, that's we want to participate in all those things we do do we really appreciate the partnership that we've got with bear crop science well it's the, it's the number one thing that farmers tell us too is that the input costs are going up the risk of farming is going up they're looking for partners to share in that risk and i think that's where it can be a win-win-win for everybody involved it's a win for premier it's a win for bear it's a win for the farmer um, when we think about putting it all together um, it's a different way of representing product that's the that's the change and the change management piece of it. Um, it's not necessarily just selling a jug or a bag. It's actually selling a system and an experience. And so that does take a little bit of extra training and and honing our skills. But I think that's where this whole market's going to go sooner or later. Outstanding. I'd like to jump in just a little bit. Uh, a subject that's been pretty uh, pretty on the forefront of everybody's mind in this in this area <clears throat> comes to. Uh, when we protect the plant, 
uh, through the summer, and we're doing sometimes multiple fungicide passes at this point in time when we're dealing with uh, with all of these uh, different diseases, and we're obviously chasing yield. We're going to really continue to chase yield at these prices for certain. Um, but as we talk about the application methods, and, and we've got planes, we've got helicopters, we've got ground rigs, one of the topics that continues to come up, and as we're in a pipeline, I'll just go ahead and run it, run it out with you now, uh, that – that short corn that we've been hearing about, and, and we know it's in the system, and we know it's in the pipe somewhere, uh, kind of what is the timeline on that? Uh, is that genetics and selective breeding? And then if, if you've had some trials out, can you tell us anything about the yield results on those? Yeah, this is a fun one to talk about, and it, and it has generated a lot of excitement, um, especially with some of the weather events across the Midwest. Um Gosh, Ryan, a couple of years ago, I didn't know what derecho meant, right? And so now we're starting to see these wind events, not just in Iowa or Illinois, but we're start, starting to see them across, you know, most of our corn growing geographies at some point in time. And and so short corn essentially is uh, the first wave of it is a breeding event. Um, that's that's what we're investing in right now. And, and you can take a you know, seven or eight foot tall corn plant and get it down to five, maybe six feet tall. And so those nodes start to stack up and you have um, a stronger plant to, to withstand, uh, you know, strong winds. Now it's not bulletproof. Uh, I don't think anything ever will be, but it definitely shows significant signs of improvement. And, and so where we're at with that uh, breeding event is, We've got it in a number of trials that it most likely will be in in fields in your uh, in your geography this year, uh, where your sales folks can take a look at it, where farmers can take a look at it, and really get an idea of how this thing looks and how it could be a value. Um, and and then as we move forward, we'll move into um, a traded version as well. But the first thing will be the breeding version. Um, the breeding version, we're, we're moving from more of a, a test plot experiment, uh, you know, demonstration, if you will, the last couple of years, we're moving to bringing that to farmers here this year. So we're going to be talking to maybe 350 to 400 farmers about uh, short corn. And so partnering with certain dealers to have uh, some side-by-sides, if you will, in the marketplace, get more exposure, basically, because we're still learning about this thing as well and what it can and cannot do. And then as we move forward, uh, 2023, we would move into a groundbreaker um, e- experiment. And what we talk about in terms of groundbreakers, we started this several years ago where we bring new technology. And before we launch it, we bring it to a wide footprint geographically, as well as a number of uh, producers as well, to get even more uh, comfort and confidence around uh, what this new technology is going to bring. So we'll do that with the short corn as well. And then we'll go into full launch in, in uh, most likely in 24 and scale that up over time. Uh, I can tell you the breeding version of it will be will be smaller. It won't be a huge launch like we've experienced in, you know, round or pretty uh to extend soybeans or, or some of our corn traits. So it'll be a smaller launch and then we'll gradually move it up into terms of percent of our mix. And when we get to the traded version, you'll see it take on more, more of substantial role in our portfolio. Outstanding. Well, thanks. I know that it's on the forefront and, and without changing equipment and being able to make that application from the ground, if needed, um, it, that just allows a lot more opportunities and to push that that application back into a reproductive 
stage and not necessarily have to do it all in a vegetative stage if we're trying to get across it at a certain height. So we certainly don't want to give away our plant health protection uh, processes and, and what are agronomically sound practices just because there's some kind of a limitation. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I think we can all stack hands and agree that uh, if we can grow more on an acre of ground and if we have a shorter statured corn plant for our listeners that may not be familiar, it allows us to get in there later, um, I guess, in the, in the maturity of the corn to get on more nutritionals, put nitrogen at a better more closer to when the plant needs it for uptake and uh, to make a difference with nutritionals and try to get as much as we can out of out of the corn plant on that acre and it kind of goes hand in hand with the with the sustainability message we have yeah that's right sal and any any row crop machine can get over top of this corn uh, i saw it last summer and you know whatever uh, brand of row crop machine we have in in the in the lineup and the fleet um they can be used to to make these applications. So um, again, something that's really, really exciting, but it's just, it's actually just one part of a portfolio in, in the pipeline that I see unrolling the next four or five years that gets me really excited. All right. Well, Chris, I'm going to uh, take us, I guess, from your perspective as a U.S. division lead of both crop protection and seed. And we had uh, Josh Linville in with Stonex on a, on another podcast um, and for an anchor, us in a date. This is March the tenth, twenty twenty-two. And what are some of the global trends right now that's uh, affecting uh, product development uh, for U.S. farmers? And maybe I don't mean so much current events as much as I do just just global trends that could be impacting uh, what we may see on the farms for in the United States. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Sal, and we could go. We could probably have a whole podcast just on that one, <laughs> but um, it, you know, the biggest thing, and I, I, I share this with, um, with uh, farmers that are, they're friends of mine back home that I grew up with um, when we get together and, and certainly colleagues um, literally every single day it, within bear. And I think within the entire industry, w- we talk about, and I think we will continue to talk about uh, supply and logistics um, so raw material, uh, ingredients, that's one element for sure, but just, just other key pieces that go into getting a product produced and shipped. So from plastics to cardboard, to, uh, fuel, to, uh, uh truck drivers, um, there's, there's literally not a day that goes by that I don't have some type of conversation internally about, you know, a dilemma that we're dealing with. Um, and it, it's, you know, labor shortages, um, interactions with our global counterparts to get raw materials here, production situations here within the U S. Um, but every single day we have something so on the seed side or the chemistry side, doesn't really matter. And, and literally every single meeting I get into with customers, this is typically the number one topic we visit about. And then it typically goes to where you're, I think leading the conversation around is how long does it last? And if we would have been having this conversation, and I think Ryan, you and I may have actually had this conversation at one point uh, here a few months ago, we might have said, hey, we'll, we'll probably work our way out of this towards the end of 22 and 23 will feel a lot better. And as we are sitting here, as you timestamped it, Sal, of, of March 10th, um, we necessarily, we, we don't look at it that way anymore. 
Uh, we look at this, this, this is going to continue through 23 for sure. Um, and I don't know how far out it goes beyond that, but um, it's uh, more dire today than it was even three weeks ago. If we would have been having this conversation uh, with what's going on in, in the Ukraine and in Russia. So a lot of, uh, a lot of things to consider, a lot of pre-planning to, to be in front of, but uh, some, some of these raw materials that we're talking about here that I'm, that I'm representing, sometimes they take 12 to 18 months of a lead time. And so if you're already experiencing a bottleneck, what does that mean to that lead time, right? Does it extend out 18 to 24 months or beyond? And that that's why I, I you know, unfortunately put a forecast together that says we're not going to get out of this situation anytime soon. And we'll probably see it carry throughout 23. That's probably the most common question everybody asks is how bad it's going to get and how long will it last? Yeah, it's, um, it's uncertain times. There's no doubt about it. And, and foreseeably, um, you know, based on some of the other discussions we've had within this podcast, um, your farmers are going to plant uh, every single acre they possibly can because of the commodity price position that we have the opportunity for. Um, and they're going to foreseeably feed it at a, at a very high level to make sure they maximize yields. So that in itself probably lends itself to say, we'll have lower channel inventories of all of our inputs when the season's over. So it just, that, that kind of compounds the situation as well, right? Not to be too negative, but just be more real about it. And we appreciate that because it's, uh, it affects every every piece of the business that obviously we're in, you're in. Um, it's the first. It's probably the first year that being diversified, <laughs> you still not finding a place to shelter in. You'd, there's no. You can't go to another division's office and start to complain and look for any sympathy yes. from them because <laughs> they they've got their hands full as well. So uh, I know that that everybody. It's on the forefront of everybody's mind is is clearly how do we get through the near term and then how long is this going to go? So. Uh, let's move, uh, still on that global front just a little bit, uh, back, back in the day when I was in the seed business, um, a lot of South American production, we know they're going through a lot of weather events right now, drought and, and some of their harvest is going on and now they're getting rain, which is slowing that down and not helping anything. Uh, tell us a little bit about, um, your assets and, um, and, and business outlook in South America. Are you affected by this a lot and will it, will it affect product lines? Yeah, good, good question. Um, so, it, you know, how we look at um, our our uh, seed growing, you know, decisions and conversations that impact the U.S. is we, we do use some South America production from time to time. If we have a new product launch that maybe gets registration later in the, in the season, we, we may go south to produce some units there. Or, you know, I go back to 2012 when we had the drought um, here in the U.S., we had to rely on South America production production pretty heavily to recover uh, from that. But in, in today's planning, and in fact, this week, I just went through our um, our uh, Y plus one final plan for the production crop that's going to go in the ground here soon. Um, we're really not relying on South America to much degree. Um, very, very small percent of our uh, crop will go south. It'll be grown here in the U.S. and support the U.S. market. Uh, and for, for this year's crop, for as we go into 22, you know, everything that we did grow in the South met, met our production needs. It's all been shipped back, processed, bagged. In fact, it's probably sitting in a warehouse in the country already, um, you know, ready to go in the ground here in a couple of weeks. So 
Um, uh, typically, if we do go down there, we try to target it to the northern part of the U.S. in terms of maturities. So, you know, this 80, 85, 90-day type products, so more out of your market than than, than maybe some others. Um, but we, we really try to focus on that Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan uh, growing area for our seed production. Well, we really appreciate the partnership with Bear Crop Science and Premier Ag. We buy like we sell, and uh, we believe in quality and uh, and partnerships that that helps us especially. And I hadn't really thought about uh, Power Max Three being the largest uh, herbicide launch uh, in the in North America, but it would be replacing that many that many acres of uh, of one product to a different formulation. And that's been successful, and and from that active ingredient, I know Bear Crop Science has just treated us tremendously uh, as a partner account, and we, we thank you for all that. Well, well, likewise, I, I want to thank both of you guys for for having me be a part of this, and and I've enjoyed the meetings we've had over the last uh, couple of years, just getting to know the organization better, and just really truly appreciate the partnership and what what we're doing together, and I, I think with. What you're, what you're trying to do as an organization and what we are trying to bring to the market, it's a good relationship. And I look forward to what that means in the, in the months and years to come. Chris, thanks so much for adding, uh, adding a touch of realism and, uh, and the positivity with, uh, with what is affecting our industry and, and all of us um, as, as, we, as we work into 2022 and, and beyond. And, and we really appreciate your time. I know it takes a team, and, uh, and you're a busy person. And, and to come on here and, and donate your time a little bit, it just adds to that partnership and the value that it brings. So thank you so much for visiting with us, and uh, we hope to have you back on. Anytime. Just let me know when. All right. Thanks, Chris. South, another episode of the High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Not all products are currently available for commercial sale or commercial planting. Commercialization is dependent on multiple factors, including successful conclusion of the regulatory process. 